Welcome in to the newest episode of the Hop Hangout Podcast. Glad to have you with us joining us for episode 57. Today we are going to be talking about the bright side of Disney, uh, a very controversial perhaps topic within the greater Star Wars community nowadays. Uh, Joey and I figured, well, first of all, we have a fun episode uh, in, in the works for not next week, but the following week. Joey and I will be ranking our uh, favorite Disney live action shows. And so uh, for this week and next week, we'll be doing our favorite and maybe not so favorite parts of Disney Star Wars. Um, so it's going to be a fun one today. Looking forward uh, to it very much. Before we get into all of that, remember, you can always subscribe to the Hot Hangout podcast on YouTube. Check us out there. Uh, check out last week's episode if you haven't yet, the Star Wars droid draft that Joey and I did. We'll be covering some comments from that episode as well during today's episode. Additionally, you can check us out at our email, hothhangout at gmail.com. Shoot us any questions or thoughts you may have, Star Wars related or otherwise. You can also check out the Hoth Hangout podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Leave a five-star review on each of those platforms on the Hoth Hangout podcast. We would very much appreciate that as well. Additionally, we're at all the socials, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, or X, at Hoth Hangout on each of those. Joey, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well. We, we should also mention that at the release of this particular podcast, there'll be a, a special day here in the United States. It'll be Thanksgiving. So for all those listening uh, on that Thursday, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and hope you have a uh, wonderful holiday season. Absolutely, yeah. Also, also part of the inspiration for Joey and I wanting to sort of take this approach to our uh, our synopsis, our analysis of the Star Wars sequels and the sort of more largely the Disney era of Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. We want to sort of cover this as, as an approach where uh, let it, let us preface it by saying I think oftentimes the approach to the sequel trilogy is I think it's fair to say a negative one amongst the average Star Wars fan. Uh, and so what we thought would be a good approach to take is we are going to be doing, as I said, one episode covering our more favorite, the positive outlooks, uh, the positive sides of the Disney Star Wars era. And then next week, of course, for those of you who are more inclined to uh, perhaps not enjoy the sequel trilogy, we'll be doing an episode on some of the parts that we thought perhaps could have been better. So um, buckle in, those of you who may not be fans of the sequel trilogy, and just the Disney era. I, there is a lot to, to enjoy about it, I will say. Mm -hmm. uh, and Joey and I have sort of picked out and highlighted uh, five of our favorite things, which we'll be covering today. Uh, and as I said, we'll, we're looking forward very much to talking about each one of those. Uh, a few of them in particular, I told Joey and Gibbo before, I was like, I'm going to try not to ramble too much when we get to <laughs> a particular topic. But uh, before we get into any of that, uh, a couple small pieces of news we had. Rosario Dawson shared some really cool behind-the-scenes Ahsoka photos. Um, and I actually didn't see these until I, Joey shared them uh, with us in our, in our podcast production notes. Um, and, and I saw them via the link that he shared. And for those of you who are audio listeners, it's essentially Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. Uh, the first image, the first photo is with Ashley Eckstein, who, if you don't know, that's the voice of Ahsoka in The Clone Wars as well as in Rebels. Mm -hmm. uh, and then additionally, there's pictures of her with um, oh, and, I, and forgive me, I, I forget the the actress. This is Ariana Ariana Greenblatt? Is that yes, Ariana Greenblatt? And she also played young Gamora, I think, in Guardians of the Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken. A very mm -hmm. talented actress, and she played young Ahsoka in the Ahsoka show. Uh, and so there's another photo with Rosario and Ariana Greenblatt, and then there's that third Spider-Man like image. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the meme one. These are some pretty <laughs> cool photos. Uh, which also begs the question, Joey, favorite Ahsoka? <laughs> Ooh, do we have to do a tier list of that one? Tier I list mean, of our Ahsoka actresses. Of our favorite act. Oh, the actresses? Oh, no, no, I mean, I'm just like the favorite portrayal of Ahsoka uh, is what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, I mean, I got to I mean, I love Rosario, but I mean, Ashley, she she yeah. created the character. So if I had to choose, you know, I, I would I would have to go with Ashley. Yeah, iconic. And and it was a very sweet tribute in the comment of the post as well. Um, it was really Rosario paying tribute to to Ashley Eckstein and just the character of Ahsoka. Uh, and also paying tribute to Ariana Greenblatt, how mm -hmm. just amazing her performance. She really brought to life that, that early Clone Wars era Ahsoka um, character in the, the World Between Worlds episode of the new Ahsoka show. So that was pretty neat to see, sort of just 
all the uh, all the people we know to be Ahsoka coming together. And do you think uh, we get any more live action young Ahsoka? Ooh, you know, I am inclined to say no. To be honest with mm -hmm. you, um, and if it, if we do, it'll be somewhat in the form I think of what we saw in the Ahsoka show, where it's like a flashback style thing. I don't think mm -hmm. we'll ever see like a young Ahsoka show. Right. Yeah. Um, as much as I love the character of Ahsoka, I think it is also a character that's been pretty fleshed out in recent yeah. Star Wars, uh, you know, media and, and production and shows and movies. And so um, I would be surprised if we get a young, Asho young Ahsoka show, but I wouldn't complain. I, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. And I imagine if they ever did do something like that, Ariana would be first on the list for, for playing a role. Uh, perhaps we can look forward to that one day. Our other piece of news we wanted to touch on, and actually it's, it somewhat relates to one of our five topics we'll be covering today for things that we most enjoy about the Disney era of Star Wars, um, is that the third phase of the High Republic has officially begun. Uh, for those that don't know, the High Republic is sort of this... this um, literary side of the Star Wars universe, whether it be adult novels, uh, junior novels, comic books, which uh, one, one of them you and I covered in a recent episode of the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll. We'll link that episode down in the show notes below if anyone is interested in hearing our thoughts on uh, the Star Wars High Republic comic book series that we read and covered. But um, for those that also don't know, the High Republic series was originally pitched as this three-phase sort of large thing, uh, you know, set of stories that's going to take place. And so the third phase is officially underway. The first two phases, uh, the first one was Light of the Jedi, which was in late 2021 to late 2022. The second phase was Quest of the Jedi, October 2022 through May of 2023. And then the third phase, Trials of the Jedi, which just recently officially began, I guess, technically last week. Right with the mm -hmm. release of uh, Eye of Darkness, which is one of the full novels, if I'm not mistaken, of the Star Wars mm -hmm. High Republic era. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on? And maybe this is a conversation we should table for our for one mm -hmm. of our topics we're talking about today. But what are your thoughts, just real briefly, on on this uh, set of news pieces I mean, here? Well, I mean, you know, from all that I've seen, especially with this cover for uh, the the new book, the Eye of the Darkness of Darkness. Looks pretty ominous. Not gonna lie. So I think it's gonna. It looks like because uh, uh, we know eventually what kind of happens with all the Jedi. At, you know, but I don't know exactly what happens here with the with uh, everything that has happened up until this point. I mean, there is a lot of books, a lot of comic books that both you and I do have to go through uh, in order to be even slightly caught up to what's going on with the High Republic. But uh, the fact that it's here and it's um, definitely. A great addition to Star Wars uh, from the literary side. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's gonna be something that we need to we need to catch up to, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I, I am admittedly like so. I mean, the the comic book that we read, uh, uh, the High Republic comic we read, was like the first time I'd really ever dipped my toe into that area of Star Wars fandom. Um, mm -hmm. and it's something that I want to keep going back to, and something that I really enjoyed that we were able to do, and. Uh, and, and, you know, also perhaps begs the question, should we do another uh, High Republic comic book series review? Yes, that please. might be. Uh, yeah, that might be coming up here <laughs> in the future pretty soon. But and, and also the last thing I want to say about uh, just the third phase of High Republic starting now that we're sort of in a period of time where there's not a show coming out, there's not a movie coming out uh, with the conclusion of Ahsoka in the recent weeks. This is a great time if you're a Star Wars fan to, you know, pick up one of these comic books, see what you think. Mm -hmm. uh, not hashtag not sponsored. Joey and I are both subscribers to the Marvel Unlimited, where we get yep. uh, access to all of these comic books whenever we like through the app, of course, with a monthly subscription fee. But um, check it out if you're a Star Wars fan. Highly, highly recommend, and uh, lots to be excited about with this brand new novel by George Mann, The Eye of Darkness which at the time of this recording has been out for about five days. So um, catch it at your local bookstores on the shelves, hopefully pretty soon. Might have to go over to Barnes & Noble sometime and buy myself yeah. like a Thanksgiving present or something like that. I like it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, a couple pieces of comments and feedback we got from our last episode we wanted to feature before we get into our discussion of our favorite parts of the Disney Star Wars era are for are from three of our uh three of from three of our viewers who we love and appreciate three who uh, tend to leave comments that we uh, enjoy dissecting and breaking down here on the pod. The first of which is from Aunt Vasuvi. Aunt Vasuvi says, "Welcome back and many thanks to Ben, Joey, and Gibbo." I would categorize Grievous. This is, of course, in reference to our droid draft episode where I perhaps unfairly took uh, General Grievous as my first mm -hmm, pick mm -hmm. in the draft. Uh, <laughs> is he a droid? Is he not a droid? Who knows? Uh, well, according to Amasuvi, Amasuvi says, I would categorize Grievous as a cyborg, not a droid, but I'm glad you included him. All of your picks are respectable, but Joey's uh, spoke more to my disposition, yet I love them all. I surely would love to see more BD-3000 luxury droids in future projects. Iman Esfandi was wearing contact lenses, of course, in that photo you showed in which the blue color was praised. Naturally, they are delicious chocolate hue. Since you asked, my favorite is the midwife droid from episode three, which I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. That's a good um, one. Yeah, yeah. Also, by the way, I totally thought in last week's episode mm -hmm. when we looked at that image of Iman Esfandi that those were that was his real eye color for a second. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did not realize that until Anvasuvi mentioned it. That you had actually really thought that that was his eye color, and then you had mentioned also in a reply to her comment that you didn't realize that. So yes, <laughs> it is no, yeah, that is not that is not his real eye color. But uh, good to know, good to know. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the BD three thousand. To be completely honest with you, I had to look it up. It is like a. Uh, it says during the Clone Wars, it was known as a hologram VJ hosted music program, which broadcast across the galaxy. Her show was popular among rebels, rather the Republic's clone troopers, sometimes dedicated songs to units such as the Mud Jumpers of the 221st, uh, 224th. So, uh, yeah, even used by Senator Padme Amidala. So, the BD 3000 luxury joy. Nice call out there, Amasubi. Love that one. Um, our second comment was from Lord Galvatron. Lord Galvatron says, My personal favorite droid is and probably will be Chopper. After you picked Chopper, I was like, man, I really, so good. I really regret not having him on my list. What I get him at two? Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Lord Galvatron went on to say the fact that they were able to make an astromech droid so funny and cynical has canonically committed several war crimes and over fifty thousand confirmed kills all at once <laughs> will never be topped. I read this uh comment from Lord Galvatron and I was like, fifty thousand? I had to look up what the reference was and I was like, oh. Yeah, I guess kind of. <laughs> Which one was it again? The are you talking about the uh, the fifty thousand? Yeah, where yeah, where was it, the fifty thousand from? Just again? for the sake of me not butchering it, um, I'll I'll read it off from the same exact thing okay. that I that I read it from. Uh, so of course this is spoilers for the Bad Batch. If anyone has not seen the Bad Batch, so you've got about five seconds before I uh, start reading here. Uh, all right, let me see if I can find it. Since the Bad Batch takes place nearly three decades before Rebels, okay, this is about Harrison Dula. Uh, for a detailed assessment of the little droid's kill count, he has been responsible for the death of over 50,000 characters in the Star Wars franchise. Wow. Uh, Chopper blows up a TIE fighter, so that's one. In the season premiere, he blew up more, so that's four. So these are like all kind of adding up a little bit. Little oh, bit. wow. Uh... <laughs> Let's see. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So the biggest one is from all it's 47,000 at once. He <laughs> has also sabotaged the indicator, uh, which is the name of a ship, causing it to explode and take two Imperial cruisers down with it. The indicator seemed roughly the same size as an Imperial uh, I-class Star Destroyer. According to the wiki, those have over 37,000 crew members wow. and in addition, 9,700 stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> which makes just under 47,000. So, uh, yeah. Hopper is responsible for the deaths of perhaps 50,000 people. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to Lord Galvatron for that piece, of, that nugget of information, which I had to like actually look up and confirm whether it was true or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, and he's on your team, by the way. He's on, he's your on my team. Yeah. yeah. Listen, they, they got good numbers. That's all. You got, you got to get the, the guys that get the numbers. Yeah. Our final comment we wanted to showcase today is from Spy on Sports. Uh, Spy on Sports listed out their favorite 
their top five droid picks, as well as a couple honorable mentions. Uh, in order, Spy on Sports list was K2SO, IG88, EB8, Imperial Viper Probe Droid, R0GR, and this is from Lego Freemaker. Uh, Roger, this Roger. Is a, this is a deep cut here, he, uh, Spy on Sports says. A couple honorable mentions that he also left was Hu Yang, or LOM, IG11, L337, uh, and then he and then Spy on Sports also says, "Imagine that I picked a Rogue One character at the top of my list." Yeah, a notorious fan of the uh, the Rogue One film. What a good! That's a great list, though. It is it's really kinda, good. It, kinda, yeah. it spreads it spread it spreads across a lot of uh, uh, of the different shows and movies. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of love here for uh, for Rogue One and for for Solo Empire as well. Empire as well. Yeah, Empire. Got yeah. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some great picks there. Where was did we leave K two S O off of both of our lists last week? No, no, I picked. I I got I got K two at uh, three. Oh, did you really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Got K two okay. at three, and then L three at um four. Okay, that's right. We left we left IG eleven off of our list. We, got, we left IG eleven. Yes, that's yes. correct. And IG eighty eight. If you want right. to, for both of those, yeah, right. Well, uh, great we list. Wanted- yeah, great list there. We want to thank each of you who who left a comment and uh, provided feedback on last week's Droid Draft episode. Uh, and if you're watching this episode here today, leave us a comment for uh, what your thoughts are, what your favorite parts are of the Disney Star Wars era. This this, this might be different comments coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're thinking about leaving a negative one, that's fine. But we're going to be yeah, doing yeah. our not-so-favorite parts next week. So this week are parts that we've enjoyed yeah, about yeah. the Disney Star Wars era. Next week, some things we yeah. think that could be a little bit better. Yeah. So, so we, we might have multi, like duplicate uh, comments from each week. Just uh, yeah. saying of, you <laughs> there's going to be the, one the stuff they don't like. Just like, I, I hated blah, blah, blah. And I hate, you know, it, it, uh, yeah. Anyways. So um, <laughs> without further ado, as I mentioned before, we have five areas or five different things that we have selected as uh, high points of the Disney Star Wars era. Um, I don't know, Joey, do you want to introduce all five of them at the beginning or just do them as we go? What do you think? Uh, let's go as we go. I think that'll be all right. All right. The, um, so I guess the first one we want to talk about, and again, this might be contentious because there probably are some people that don't like this film, which is fair, but, uh, we want to say The Force Awakens is one of the five best things that Disney has done with Star Wars. Uh, and now, for some of you out there who may be thinking, oh, I, I hate the sequels, um, just hear us out for a second. The Force Awakens <laughs> was a film that was highly, highly, highly anticipated. This was the first Star Wars we had received in, oh, gosh, I think at the time it would have been 10 years, right? Uh, Revenge of the oh. Sith was 05 and mm-hmm. Force Awakens was 2015. Does that sound mm-hmm. right? Sounds about right, yeah. Um, so there was a lot of excitement about this movie. Um, you know, lots of questions going into it as to what the story would actually be. We got tons of great new characters. I think, I think people that tend to look down on some of the sequel trilogy characters, I think are largely basing those opinions on what eventually happened with the characters after episode seven. Um, I think the introduction of these characters in the first sequel film is actually done pretty well. I think there's certain people that might have their qualms with the way they handled Ray's character in particular, um, but especially like Kylo, Finn, I think are two of my personal favorite inclusions in this film. And then we also got the additions of you know the old school characters like Han and Leia, mm-hmm. and I guess and Chewbacca and and Luke for the one minute that he was in this film or whatever it was 20 seconds or something like that but um i just think this is a pretty good movie overall yeah um it is a kind my one like small nitpick with it which doesn't say anything as to the quality of the film because i think it's a good movie um is that it is really just a rehashed version of new hope mm-hmm. but i also think that's why so many people liked it after the film right. was that it was like well this is like something we're familiar with and something that we loved and so in a different form it's still something we love mm-hmm. um, so that is my quick spiel about why force awakens is perhaps one of my favorite things that disney has done H- how did you feel about this movie joey when it came out i was very excited i i really enjoyed it i watched it a couple times at the theater 
and you and I have had discussions about this as well. Going mm-hmm. out of watching this movie, we were pretty, you know, we were excited to see what the rest of the sequel was, uh, was going to, how it was going to turn out. Now, that's what next week's episode is for. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the feeling that you got from this movie, it was very much Star Wars. You kind of touched on the cast. I, you know, for me, it's a diverse cast. Uh, with uh, Ray at the helm, and you got Finn and Oscar Isaac, you know, all, you know, just great characters, great actors, and um, the introduction to BB-8. Yet, I don't know how they can keep bringing in droid after droid, and you just fall in love with them every time. They just can do that. There's some type some type of formula. And, and as you mentioned, of course, the legacy characters, Han, Leia, mm-hmm. and Luke, and Chewbacca. Um that's what. That's why it felt like Star Wars because you saw all these familiar faces. The storyline was basically the same as what you saw in New Hope. It was just uh, the Death Star, but only bigger. You know what I mean? So, you know the so. It, but yeah, it was very familiar. It felt like home, and to start off, that was kind of like the first thing that we saw from Disney uh, as far mm-hmm. as movies were concerned. And I thought I thought it did great. I thought you know I still I can still watch that movie now, and you know have you know have a, a positive outlook or you know I think you know I'll smile through it. There's some jokes in there that I enjoyed, and you know the uh, actions there. It is very J.J. Abrams though. I will say, yeah. <laughs> um, this, you know it was very you know you got the lens flare. You know you got the usual you know the the fast moving cameras. You know, so I I, I think. It was it was this era, it was this generation Star Wars, and uh, at the time I enjoyed it, and like I said, even now I still enjoy it. Yep, I I, I would say this is uh, for me personally, and 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 maybe this is another point as to something else I liked about the sequel trilogy. It, it's a far more controversial point what I'm about to say than what I've previously said about the Force Awakens. Um, I I like Force Awakens. I actually like Last Jedi too, even though a lot of people don't. Um, and I go back and forth as to which one I actually like more between the two mm-hmm. of them. I think Force Awakens is the safer mm-hmm. film, and it does a lot of right. things well. I think The Last Jedi takes more risks, which is a part of the reason why I'm inclined to say that's my favorite mm-hmm. of the sequel trilogy sometimes. Right. Um, I, I think I'm getting too much into the negative, so maybe I should just kind of <laughs> hold off. But I think the lack of cohesion with J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson yeah. in terms of storylines you know, doesn't do Last Jedi many favors. So I think it's fair to say that the general population likes Force Awakens the most of these three sequel right. films. And and it is the highest rated of the three on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll also add that in there. Um, there was a lot of... Well, before I, I say my last point, uh, impromptu trivia, Joey. Are you ready for this? Oh, okay, I'll try. Okay. Name in order the the critic ratings of the three Star Wars sequels. From from best to worst, the critic. Yeah. Oh, I bet you it's. I'm thinking it's Last Jedi, Force Awakens, and then uh, Rise of Skywalker. You're pretty close. Uh, last. Okay, wait. Uh, let me gu- let me guess again. Hold on. Yeah. So I said so. Switch, Rise of Skywalker, and Force Awakens. No surprise. Oh no. Oh okay. So, what is it? So it, it's the Force Awakens is the favorite amongst okay, the critics. Barely over of, the Last yeah. Jedi. Okay. Um, Force Awakens at 93, Last Jedi 91, uh, Rise of Skywalker at 51. Okay. But in terms of, do you want to rank them in terms of audience rating too? Audience? Okay, yeah. audience. That has to be Force Awakens, Last Jedi. No, no. Oh, gosh. Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi? So you're pretty close. This is shocking to me. Okay. Did you know of the three sequel films... The Rise of Skywalker has the highest audience score. No, really? Yes, yes. 86%. Force Awakens 85. Uh, Last Jedi 42. Well, I knew Last Jedi for sure, but I'm I am shocked that Rise of Skywalker right. was above that. Interesting. For the audience score, yeah. I didn't know that either. That was very surprising. Anyways, I just looked that up and so I thought it'd be fun to kind of throw that in there as a piece of Star Wars trivia. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about The Force Awakens, then we can move on to our second point, is that one of my... I remember watching YouTube videos going home after the movie and, like, watching all these different theory videos. and Yeah, yeah, like, yep, yep. 
like this new character of Snoke, especially, right? yeah, so yeah. interesting to me. I was like, who the heck is that guy? Where was he during the, you know, uh, the return of the Jedi uh, era? Like, was he around with the Emperor? Does he know the Emperor? Mm -hmm. Is this the Emperor? There were just all these questions about Snoke. Um, is he Plagueis? I know that was a pretty popular theory yep. at the time in 2015, 2016. Uh, and so that was the mindset yeah. and mentality I left the film thinking. Like, mm -hmm. dang, that was a pretty decent movie. I liked it, and I'm excited for what I am right. going to see next. It it kickstarted Star Wars again. Yes. As a cultural phenomenon in the in you know, in pop culture. So I think that it, it did its job from that sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and left us with with hopes for the rest of the trilogy. Something that maybe we didn't quite have the same feeling of mm -hmm. after episode eight or episode nine. So, um, all that to say, Force Awakens, one of the five best things that we think Disney has has produced in, since their acquisition of Star Wars. Number two is also our <laughs> our. You know, I knew you were going to be excited about this one. <laughs> Number two is also something uh, is also film related. One, two of our five are, are centered around films that Disney has produced since the acquisition of Star Wars. Um, Number two is Rogue One. And I would personally say that this is my favorite Disney Star Wars movie. Um, I don't know if you would say the same or not. I, I, I think your yes. ranking of Rogue One was higher than my ranking of Rogue One in our mm -hmm. uh, in our rankings of all the movies, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I was, I think I had Rogue One at three, if I'm not right. mistaken. And I think in in terms of like all eleven of my films, I think I had it at four or five. I can't remember, uh, but up, right up there towards the top. And and like I said, my favorite since since Disney has acquired Star Wars. I think something that Rogue One does really well, and something that maybe the sequel trilogy struggles to do it sometimes. I think it is able to enrich the lore of Star Wars without mm -hmm. um without stepping on the toes of the lore or or the world right. too much without breaking it. It is a story that we had always sort of known but never got to see before. I know you noted that um in the I think it's the opening crawl of New Hope, we hear about these Bothan spies and they've acquired these plans. And then, you know, that that uh, takes us right into the scene and on Princess Leia's ship, Tantive Four, And so that's how the, the whole uh, franchise opens up. And so we knew vaguely who these people were and how the plans got to Leia, but we had never seen it before. And that's mm -hmm. what this movie does. And to use the analogy that I use way too often, uh, I think I use it with, with Revenge of the Sith sometimes, but I think it's maybe even a, a more apt analogy with this film. Um, it is like the missing puzzle piece that you finally got to like right. put in because right. it connects the prequels to the originals in a way that is um, emotionally moving. You feel connected to characters who you only have one film with, which is a feat in and of itself. I would say Jen Urso is probably a top three uh, Disney era character for me. I would wow. go as far as to say that I enjoyed her uh, Felicity Jones role in that film that mm -hmm. much. Um, Andor could you could argue he's right up there too. I think another thing this movie does really well is, and if you've listened to, to our podcast for a while, you know this about me. I like in film and movies, especially Star Wars, when there's moral ambiguity to situations. Um, you know, these very gray characters like Cassian Andor is not really a good guy, right? Uh, and so right. I, and he's not like a bad guy, but I think that's what draws me to him as a character is that he is willing to do what it takes. Um, and there's there's no easy line of good, bad, black and white. Um, he operates within the gray, which I enjoy seeing in characters. And so right. um, also a small spoiler, the film doesn't have a happily ever after <laughs> moment, which we right. might expect to get with a lot of other Disney movies, something that I also can appreciate as a film. And so... Um, this movie just did so much. It explored more about the concept of the Force. It's not just something that Jedi and Sith use. It's like something mm -hmm. that is imbued in all living uh, things within this universe. And, and Donnie Yen's character is a great example of of kind mm -hmm. of the exploration of the Force in this movie. And and, and maybe the my last point, and I know I've been rambling again. Uh, without this movie, there is no 
mean, obviously it came out after the originals, but without the events of this movie, there is no new hope. There is no empire and there is no right. return of the Jedi. Um, it just connects everything in a way that's really satisfying. And I like this movie a lot. All right. Right. What, what are your favorite parts about this movie? Cause I know this is a huge, yeah. like, this is one of your favorite star Wars movies. Right. One of my favorite star Wars and this, unlike the, how the force awakens very much felt like star Wars. Somehow this also felt like Star Wars without any of the elements that Force Awakens needed. You needed mm-hmm. the legacy characters. You needed, you know, lightsabers. You needed, you know, so there, there's a lot of, lot of those things that you needed to have st- Star Wars, something to feel like Star Wars, but Rogue One didn't necessarily have all of that. Now, it had the Empire, it had the Rebels, that type of thing, but um, it didn't need, you know, all the, all the special effects. It, it, it did it with the casting. It did it with the writing. And that that's why this movie will always, you know, have a special place because of that. And again, kind of what I mentioned in the with the Force Awakens, widely diverse cast in this one. You know, you had, mm-hmm. you know, you had uh, Chiro and Baze, you had Andor, you had Bodhi Rook, you had again Jin uh, Jin Erso and uh, more Saw Guerrera. You always could use more Saw Guerrera, right? So. Um, just to see all of those characters, it was very much an ensemble type of cast where it wasn't just one person and then, you know, everyone following them. You know, everyone was on their journey, everyone. And it just so happened that they all met up at this exact point in time where they needed all of them to be together. So I and before that point, they weren't even friends. They didn't know each other or anything, but they all had that common goal was to be against the Empire. So to see that come into fruition in just one movie and for them to make such an impact to, because like you said, because of this, we would not have a new hope. They would not have the plans to the death star. And Oh, but by the way, okay. So I did forget maybe one scene with a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the last thing in my notes that I didn't um, say yet. Let, let, let's go ahead and just say how incredibly awesome that scene was to, you know, cause you knew Vader was around um, but him to just basically be slicing through uh, the the rebellion the way he did, um, I saw so many videos, and I think I saw like an eight bit eight bit cartoon version of it. Um, it was just an incredible, uh, incredible scene. I thought, like I said, it's one of my favorite favorite Star Wars movies, and the just to have this, and I'll be honest, going into the movie. I didn't really have a ton of interest into it. I mean, I, I understand its role, but it was one of those things that I thought of that was like, do we really need something this? Do we need this story? Um, because when it came out in, what was that, 2017? Is that right? 2017, I believe it came out? I think this was between Force Awakens and mm-hmm. and uh, Last Jedi, so I think it would have been 16. If Maybe I'm not 16, yeah, 2016, yeah. that sounds right, yes. So in 2016, I think I think they first uh, mentioned it either at the Star Wars Celebration or D23 the year before. Uh, when I saw the initial images, I didn't see any lightsabers, so I'm like, I don't understand what this movie's going to be about. <laughs> and sure enough, when I watched it, I'm like, wow, this is an incredible movie that didn't even need any of that. So uh, that's why it's uh, it's stuck so it is so highly regarded for me because it it was able to continue to be Star Wars but not have to, you know, throw a bunch of lightsabers at the force at me to do it. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the Vader thing cuz that was the <laughs> yeah. one thing I left out and uh and and this is a great example though of, of kind of the same thing we talked about before uh before in that it it felt like it it um it enriched the lore and so yeah. it didn't do anything with Vader that felt you know uh like it reverted the character in, in any way. It it made the character seem more uh, to be feared and more powerful without doing anything to the character mm-hmm. from the originals, um, because you know you see him in the originals, you're like uh, he's menacing, but then you see him in the prequels, you're like what happened to his fighting skills? And so <laughs> right, right. For, what this scene does for me is it's like he never lost those. This like he yeah, had yeah. them the whole time. It's just yeah. you know it, uh, a product of the time when the movies were made, where the acrobatic skills of the combat wasn't quite what it was in the prequel trilogy, but. Anyways, just Rogue One, a fantastic film. Uh, and, and while we're while we're on this, we're not going to talk too much about it. But I actually like Solo too. I know a lot of people yeah. aren't the biggest fans. Um, I was pretty disappointed when they abandoned the the um, 
a Star Wars story model, doing films sort of yeah. every other year. And because I, I, I loved Rogue One and I like Solo a lot too. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're both, Rogue One is surely my favorite of the two, but I, I, they're both great films and I think worth watching. And so was sad uh, do to we see do, this we, model do, go. We should, do, we should do a rewatch of Solo and react to it. Oh, I'd, I'd be down <laughs> for that. Because I've only seen Solo, I think, twice or three times. Mm, but, okay. Um, anyways, worth doing. Stay tuned for the podcast in the future. Uh, so, Rogue One, our second of our five things. Again, Force Awakens was the first. Our third is going to uh, just largely be live-action Star Wars television. Now, this is something that, obviously, we had never thought to really be may maybe possible, but not necessarily the model for what Star Wars should be uh, prior to the acquisition of Star Wars by Disney. And really after the acquisition, like it was pretty quickly thereafter where it was made known, okay, we're going to have another trilogy of films. Like that's what Star Wars is. Star Wars is movies. Yeah. Um, other than, you know, of course the animated, uh, you know, the animated Clone Wars and, 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 you know, other uh, animated products we had received. We had never received anything live action. It really didn't even feel like it was on the table very much until after rise of Skywalker, when it was like, maybe we need to reassess um, how we're going about star Wars. And so um, up to this point, we've had five different live action shows, including Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, Andor, and the Mandalorian. The sixth show skeleton crew is on the way. And I believe is slated to be released at the end of January of next year. Mm. Um, at least recording to reports in terms of when the copyrights were were filed for. Um, but we're going to focus on those other five that we've seen up to this point. Uh, and and we'll maybe also an opportunity to give a small teaser that uh, not next week, because next week we'll be doing our our not so favorite starts, uh, not so favorite parts of Disney Star Wars. But the following week, we're going to be ranking uh, some of those live action shows and, and yeah. is Disney products of, of Star Wars. So. Um, but the live action Star Wars uh, TV shows have brought a new perspective to Star Wars. I think it allows the world and you and I have talked about this before. It allows the world to be built in a way that films haven't before. Um, I think ironically, the animated Clone Wars is a good example of how you can world build based on the longevity of show uh because it's in a different medium of a long f of uh like a you know a long film you're doing it in shorter episode increments which totals out to longer runtime and so allows you the opportunity to uh, character build a little bit better uh, world build a little bit better and get to know the characters uh in a way that maybe a film wouldn't and so um Without going too much into which of these were our favorites, because definitely there's ones that you and I have enjoyed more than others, I would just largely say that Star Wars in live action TV uh, is a fresh medium for Star Wars. Right. While some shows are perhaps a little bit better than others, I think I am a fan of this style of Star Wars, which is ironic because if you were to ask me five years ago, I would have said, I really wish they would just stick to movies. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel that way at all now. I'm actually a pretty big fan of of most of these TV shows, and so um, that's kind of what I have to say on on the live action Star Wars. Um, you know that that model for for just Star Wars in general. How how did you feel about the approach to the live action shows? I think it was a really good way to, as you said, world build. I think the best way to world build in any universe or anything like that is through books because you have just so much space to be able to do it but i think come uh secondly would be uh would be tv shows especially you have these 8 10 12 episode uh, seasons that you're able to really flesh out particular characters or particular storylines what have you and it it'll it it just makes it for you know it it introduces so much more lore like you said so it, it it's it was really cool seeing it and you know mandalorian being the first of it and we won't go 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 into so much detail but it was really something that i had not expected at all um you know i was at the star wars celebration when they did show a little bit of footage from the mandalorian the first episode and it was really cool to watch but even still i was like how is this going to you know uh 
makes sense as far as Star Wars. Just like you, I was like, I want Star Wars movies. That's just what I'm used to, you know. Um, but you know, they had this kind of in their back pocket and they were able to come through on that. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Um and and I was a very late adopter of the Clone Wars series, for instance. So uh I, I was the same way. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to add to anything that I like about Star Wars. But then they came through on that. So I should have just shut up and just watched these shows and just been happy with them. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the ones that we mentioned, um, you know, Mandor and especially Andor, something that I wasn't really expecting to enjoy as much as we did. It's just, it's just, it gave us, it gives me more hope for Star Wars, you know, as mm-hmm. they continue to turn on, turn out these types of shows. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And they also were able to bring, you know, we t- I talked about Clone Wars they were able to bring these animated characters to to the live action, which is crazy. Like people like Ahsoka and the Grand Inquisitor, you know, the Rebels crew. And, you know, so we just have a place for that now, you know, mm-hmm. and we we always talk about go back and watch Rebels, go back and watch Clone Wars because it, it gives you so much more depth into these characters when you do see them in live action. This isn't just a random Mandalorian named Sabine. Who knows who this person is? No, she's got a whole story already in Rebels that we know about. So, uh, yeah, I, I did not know that I wanted live action TV in my Star Wars, but now I can't see a future without it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I like that a lot. And, and you mentioned Andor. Just I wanted to briefly touch on that. You you and I loved that show. Uh, right. There's a lot of people that weren't big fans. They thought it was you know a little slow. I, I, I just I mean I, I I I could I agree with that to some extent, but you know for you need to power through it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and for what it's worth, I I think not every Star Wars show has to be Ahsoka or The Mandalorian, right. where it's like every episode feels like there has to be something big or important that happens. I think it's okay. I think it's actually good for us as, you know, Star Wars fans and just, you know, if you're a fan of TV in general watching shows, you know, there's going to be some episodes that aren't intended to be super exciting. And that's okay because like good shows are made through character building and don't have to be about some crazy action scene that happens in the episode. So, I think that's what Andor does really well and why I and, and not to tease too much of where I would rank it in my Disney mm-hmm. stuff, but it's amongst my probably, yeah. I would say two or three favorite Disney shows that they've made. Um, I, anyways, not to go too much into Andor, but I just thought it's worth mentioning because a lot of people tend to kind of bag on that one, which is one that you and I have enjoyed. So. Right. I mean, We're, to me, that that's that is the Rogue One of the TV series. It didn't need yeah, a lot of yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and well, obviously, it had the uh, an actual character from Rogue One, so sure, I guess there's yeah. no surprise there. But yeah, it's it's the it's the Star Wars that doesn't have Star Wars stuff in it. Yes, yeah. And then the last point, I think you mentioned this, but in case we hadn't mentioned it yet, um, a lot of these also do a really good job of filling in stories, not just mm-hmm. uh, Andor or or you know Obi Wan, um, but filling in stories between movies and other shows and storylines that give the character more substance and more depth and more meaning um, as it relates to the other shows and as it relates to the future of those characters uh, in future Star Wars installments. So um, just the model of live action Star Wars, uh, while some might be critical of it, I've personally enjoyed it. And I think it's fair to say that it's probably what they're going to be sticking to for some time uh, and maybe in addition to movies because we know we're getting three new films in the, in the coming years as well so an exciting time to be a star wars fan as you and i always say the fourth of our five things that we um, are excited about disney star wars our favorite parts of of the of the disney star wars era um is we've kind of lumped together rebels and the seventh season of clone wars into one thing uh, because they sort of go hand in hand. And, and I would even also perhaps even throw Bad Batch in there as well as we could. Um, this is a portion of Star Wars, which I think maybe some people would have an aversion to because it's animated. Um, and I just think as a Star Wars fan, if you enjoy great stories, if you enjoy great characters, I just I don't see how 
the Clone Wars is something that you could just like skip over. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. As I mentioned, the depth of of the characters in this show are are so good. Um, I think for anyone who is, especially if you fall in this category of people, if you've seen the prequels and not seen Clone Wars, I think it it's a disservice to the characters in the prequels because mm-hmm. Clone Wars, especially Clone Wars season seven, but all of the show um, really elevates a lot of the meaning behind those characters and ties you to them in ways that a two and a half hour film can't. Right. And so that's the first thing I would say. Um, the Clone Wars is also this beautifully done show. The seventh season in particular um, for those that don't know, and this really isn't a spoiler, it runs congruently to the events of Revenge of the Sith, Episode 3. And so what you're seeing in the Clone Wars show, the seventh season, is essentially the perspective of Ahsoka as Anakin is you know, going through the events right. of Revenge of the Sith. And so it's, it's very uniquely done. It's very nuanced. There's an amazing lightsaber battle if you're... Yes. You know, you're a lightsaber battle person. Um, it's actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the only lightsaber battle in animation in Star Wars that is mo-capped animation. Yeah, I believe that's correct, yes. Right, and so they take the, the actors and then they put you know the little dots on them if you're not familiar with, with mm-hmm. what mo-cap is, and then they track their movements. It was a video game. <laughs> yeah, essentially, it was a video, yeah. yeah. It was a video game. It, it's amazing. It looked, it looked incredible, and also... They had the the events of Order sixty six happen, you yep. know, in in this in this world as well. Yep. So you see Ahsoka coming to the realization what's going on, the whole the Clone War, the, all the clones kind of turning on her and everything like that. To see all of that happen in this season was just crazy. So to have Disney put this out was just uh, um, amazing. This was one of the best surprises we've received in the last couple years of of star wars fandom Mm -hmm. like when they announced this i remember being so happy that we were going Mm -hmm. to get this and also a little bit confused because i wasn't sure how they were going to do it Uh, and then when they announced that it was like as order 66 was happening i was like oh wow that's okay i i kind of get it but it'll be interesting to see how they do it and um they really knock it out of out of the park i I think the seventh season of clone wars is fantastic um did you have any more clone wars thoughts before we kind of dive into some rebel stuff here no, let's do some rebels. Okay, uh, I think the the ghost of or the uh, the crew of rebels on on the ghost is um, super endearing, and there there are aspects of rebels which feel more akin to perhaps a children's show maybe than the Clone Wars does. Right, and then you and then you watch rebels and you're like, there's some really deep themes and meanings in this show um which are not really meant for like an eight-year-old to watch right yes yeah because it it, and i think we said like yeah it starts really kind of almost silly where you just you know have you know you have this kid ezra and you know they're got this crew that is just kind of doing these random things across the universe for the rebels but then it gets real deep real fast so Mm -hmm. i think the and for this to be on, I think it was on Disney XD, which I think is really yeah. marketed towards a younger crowd for sure. Right. Um, and I think the only thing that you know markets towards a young crowd is really like the animation style that's used. Yeah, it's very much you know, uh, it's very much what is that? Two? I I I don't even know that what you would call that animation style. But either way, they they made it really seem like this is just a kid show with you know. It's going to have fun. This was the young Jedi adventures of the era, <laughs> I think, that it was supposed to be. But uh, we ended up getting some really good storylines, really heartful moments uh, within the, the f- only four se- seasons of the series. Mm-hmm. And, and now to relate this back to our last point about live action Star Wars. Now we're seeing these characters from Rebels take shape and take form in live action. Um, and so mm-hmm. that adds to the depth of the character, obviously, but you really get a, a sense of who these characters are in this show. Um, if you are someone who also falls into the camp of you've seen Ahsoka, but you haven't seen Rebels, I got to tell you, you will 
immensely understand the characters better uh, of of um, uh, Sabine and Ezra and Hera in particular uh, if you give yourself the opportunity to watch Rebels. Um, it, it can feel a little, uh, can't be a little silly at first. And especially in the later seasons, you realize that this show is about so much more than just being like a children's fun Star Wars show. They're really exploring the relationship between Kanan and Ezra, and more largely, it's Dave Filoni's uh, kind of message as to what the Force is. Mm. There, my favorite episode, if I could say, of this show is the episode with the Bindu, um, mm -hmm. where the Bindu is talking to Ezra, and he's like, or maybe it's Kanan, um, but you know, the Bindu is this like mystical character that's neither good nor bad, but is almost just the essence of the Force. And it is just a profound episode because it's it's really taking what we know about the Force and shifting it and altering it in a way that um, it feels really intriguing and interesting. And you know, so that is an episode I would point to to say check that out if you haven't before. Right. Um, and then also to something I've already said, it's it's just a fun show. Um, yeah, Anan, Hera, Zeb, Sabine, Ezra, and Chopper—they make a pretty good, uh, pretty war, good fun that war group. criminal. Yeah, the war criminal Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this along with Clone Wars are just so foundational to not just the shows and not Star Wars, but the future of Star Wars. As we've seen with Ahsoka, they're taking these characters and they're just running with them and they're doing it in a really cool way. So um, Rebels and Clone Wars Season 7 and Bad Batch, not to leave that one out too. I'm super excited mm -hmm. for the next season of that. Right. Um, and and yeah. that's, a, that's an example of something that I wasn't even sure I really wanted as well. I mean, I like clones, but to have an entire series based off of just them, I remember some of the slower episodes for the Clone Wars uh, series were, were kind of the clone-based ones for me, you know. So, you know, the ones with Fives and Echo, and you know. So, I, I, because I, I really wanted to get back to Anakin and Ahsoka, see what they were doing. Uh, so going into this, I wasn't quite sure how much I would have enjoyed it, but. I mean, this one pulls at the heartstrings too. When you, exactly at the po moment that you don't think it will, so uh, I think the addition of Omega in, into this cast uh, was a smart move, and you know, it's somebody that you really want to root for. And I think that's that's the big thing you you want somebody to root for. And yeah. uh, I ended up really rooting for the for uh, Clone Force ninety nine. You want to hear my hot take about the Bad Batch? Okay, this is the deepest Star Wars show. Oh. Because okay. the whole show is answering the question, what does it mean to be a human? Or what does it right, mean right, to yeah. be a person? Like, that is, that is in essence, what this show is, is doing. Uh, right, and right. so, <laughs> again, is this a children's show? I would say no. No, um, no, no, but, no, no. Yeah. They go some, some pretty deep themes in, in these animated shows, whether it be Bad Bats, yeah. Rebels, or Clone Wars, so. Um, all great things that I would say Disney has done. I would probably say my favorite thing are are One More Season 7, Rebels, and Bad Batch. I mm -hmm. just, I really, really, really like the depth that, that these add to Star Wars, and I love the yes. characters in each of these. So, Right. Um, yeah. Do you, have, do you have a favorite of those three, by the way, before we move on to our fifth and final thing? What? Of what? Of, Clone Wars Season 7? those three shows, yeah. Clone Wars Season, Clone Wars season seven, 7. Bad Batch and... Bad uh... Batch and... I gotta say, Rebels, Rebels for me. I think yeah. Rebels for me. I mean, I really like Clone Wars season seven, but uh, the Rebels brought in a whole set of characters. I think that I just absolutely fell in love with. Yeah, yeah. I I think if we were just doing the seventh season of Clone Wars, Rebels and Bad Batch, I would probably say the same thing. Yeah. Now, if, if we were including all of Clone Wars, I don't know. I'd have. No, nah, that's to... a, that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's four of our five things we love about the, the Disney era of Star Wars. The fifth and final thing that we want to touch on is actually kind of related to something we talked about. We mentioned um, the literary depth of Star Wars. And so this fifth thing is, is very focused on that, and it is the High Republic era of Star Wars. Um, we mentioned this also in the news section of today's podcast at the beginning, uh, if you remember that part. but. High Republic is an era which, up until, gosh, three years ago, was very largely unexplored. 
as an era within Star Wars. If you're not familiar with what the High Republic is, it comes uh, prior to the prequel era. This is the time when there was a lot of peace within the galaxy. Well, as you'll see, the, the High Republic era calls that into contention as there's kind of the rumblings of the beginning of a lack of peace. And so um, this High Republic era is something that has been incorporated slowly over time, whether it be novels, whether it be junior novels, comic books, uh, short stories. There's been so many different ways that they've added um, lots to this universe. And I think you also mentioned it, Joey, that the one way in which you can add depth to a universe um, even better than TV is by books. And and that's what you see here with, with the High Republic era. Mm -hmm. I would not be shocked if we're sitting here 10, 15 years from now and we have like a trilogy of High Republic movies that are based off of these novels and comic books which have come out in the last two years or so. Here's hoping. Uh, there, there's lots to take <laughs> from these. Uh, yeah. what, what, is, what is your thoughts on the High Republic era? I think it really pushes... and. It pushes the fan base to reading, which I think is incredible. You know, for, first and foremost, I think that's the because you know you think of fandoms like Harry Potter, for instance. They mm -hmm. started with the books, you know, and then they made the movies. Uh, you think of like Lord of the Rings, same thing. Um, so here is a chance for Star Wars to do it as well. That's where you such have this a good entire point. era. That is yeah. such a good point. There, there's you have this entire era, and that you have to define. Why not start from the beginning? Here is your huge universe and all the things that are, are, you know, that are included in it. And then when we make the movies, we can mess them up because that's what normally the book readers are. You know, they're, right. they're like, oh, you, you know, Dobie wasn't supposed to do that. You know, so <laughs> I think the I think to have that um, have that in Star Wars is this going to be really cool. So to your point, if we can have movies on the High Republic just like this, you're going to have so much source to pull from. I mean, it's been what, you know, four years or something like that, you know, three, four years of book after book after comic book after, you know, YA novel. Um, it's just this huge universe, this huge era that we are just now learning about. I mean, I, I, I can it to like what expanded universe probably was is to Star Wars because there's a, you know, that built a whole universe, you know, a side universe in itself only to get axed completely by disney so maybe mm -hmm. we talk about that next week but you know the you know just to see the have the ability that to build everything from the ground up in the way of books i think is a great way to um tell the story and the way they're doing it they they have all these authors talking to each other they they know what the story is for each of these Unlike something like, and again, maybe a next week type of topic, unlike the sequel trilogy, you know, kind of what you mentioned earlier. So to have all the authors um, kind of in on all the storylines to understand what, you know, this character is going to do from this book to the next book onto the next storyline, I think uh, is probably one of the more exciting, thing about, exciting things about this era, about Star Wars, and uh, really the fans, you know, really could get behind. Yeah. Which also is perhaps a good segue into kind of what we're going to be talking about next week. You mentioned mm -hmm. that I, my perception of this is that the authors for these novels, young adult novels, junior novels, and comic books uh, that all are taking place within the High Republic era, th they seem to have such a great appreciation and understanding for the direction that these works should take. Uh, in regards to the, you know, the direction of the characters, the plot of the story, just kind of the focus of all of it, it feels um, cohesive and it makes sense and it feels well planned out. My question is why that same approach wasn't taken with some of the Disney era movies. Um, I just I, I see that so much from the High Republic stuff. Like I. I Whenever I read these articles, I'm like, man, they've really got this planned out. You see the progression of of how these characters are going to, you know, mm -hmm. have it maps out the stories. I just. Yeah. I mean, they had phases. Yeah. <laughs> they had yeah. phases, you know, that had waves. They had all of this lined up for years. Yeah. You, you would hope that, you know, your movies would do something similar. But the fact that they, they're getting it right at all at this point, I'm, I'm happy. I'll take that as a win. Yes. And, and, and hopefully, last... and hopefully, and hopefully, that carries over to the the visual side. Absolutely. 
Well, that was the last thing I wanted to say was I, I loved the point you made. I think we're a little bit spoiled as Star Wars fans. I loved the point you made about <laughs> we just a little bit about Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Because for the probably a pretty good portion of those fan bases, um, you know, you read the books and it's like, oh, they're making a movie about the thing I read. You know, whether it was Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Star Wars doesn't really have that. It was just like direct to movie with with the original and prequels before there was really any well I, I shouldn't say before there was any there was lots of books that came out about the original trilogy before the prequel trilogy ever came out but those books didn't necessarily inspire films directly like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings did and so i think we're a little bit spoiled as star wars fans because we we kind of just expect our our movies and our tv shows to be amazing and you know mm-hmm. I, I think to an extent, there is pressure that comes with basing a film off of a book. But at the same time, the reason the book is great and the reason the movie is being made is because the book is great. And so with film, it's a little bit different because you don't have that to base it off of. Um, of course, when you have someone like with the mind of George Lucas, it's like kind of easy for that naturally great film to just sort of develop. Um, and at this point, I, again, I'm rambling, but. I just think I loved that point you made about we don't have books to base our films off of. And mm-hmm. and now, in, you know, we've had books for a long time, but to what level of inspiration right. they've taken? It was the, the exactly book. Say. The books were to complement the movies. Exactly. Yes. They, they were never the reason to make a film, to make a show. Right. So you, you'll, you'll have something like, I don't know, Solo come out. And then there's like books about Solo and Lando adventures and yeah. Kira and Kira. all this stuff. So yeah, yeah. So there there was never something that was made for um, because of a book, but it was the books were made, you know, just to fill in gaps here and there, make a little yeah. bit of money for the movies. Right. And rather than like these High Republic things being made to complement a film or show, it now mm-hmm. feels like something is being made that we can make film and shows out of. Right. Which is an exciting thing, because I think it's kind of the first time that that's really, it feels like a possibility in Star Wars. Um, right. As you've said, most of the stories up to this point are just kind of complementary to the pre-existing movies or shows. So, um, again, High Republic movie in the future? Please, trilogy? I, I sure, a High Republic trilogy would be so fun. I would love that. I, I would love to see Avar Chris. Yes, and uh, oh my gosh, in in live action that would be great. It would the uh, the beacon, the destruction of the, the beacon. beacon. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, these were the five things that we think Disney has done pretty well or are great since the acquisition of Star Wars. Again, we're going to be touching on some of the more negative things next week, but we we'll want call to them criticism. We'll call them criticisms. Criticisms, yes, because <laughs> um, because you know things could always perhaps be. A little bit better but um so next week we'll be touching on our five criticisms we hope you've enjoyed this one and we want to pose a question to you after this episode comment down below what your thoughts are what has disney done right is our question of the week this week what has disney done right or perhaps what is your favorite thing that disney has produced during their uh, era of star wars as it was so let us know down in the comments and in regards to that i would briefly mention once again that not this week, or excuse me, not next week when, uh, when we'll be doing our, our criticisms of the Disney Star Wars era. Uh, but the following week, we will be doing our own rankings of the Disney live-action TV shows, just as a reminder. So, uh, But yes, again, on next week's episode, Disney Star Wars criticisms. Hope you can make it for that one. Joey, any last thoughts on uh, the more positive outlooks of the Disney Star Wars era before we sign off for this episode? I mean, I'm just going to say thanks, Disney, for the things that you've brought to <laughs> Star Wars. Yes. So to th- this week, I say thank you. Thank you for thank you for the live action. Thank you for these animated series. And and hope you have a thanks, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. The, re- the reason I chuckled is because last week when we were kind of tossing around how we were going to promo this thing, the way we decided upon it was this episode is thanks, Disney. And then next episode is thanks, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you for to Disney for some of our more favorite parts of Star Wars in the past few years. Um, again, the Disney era is not something that is 
uh, to be looked down upon or trashed uh, in a way that, that you know, takes away from some of the great things that they've also done in this time period. And again, not to say that there aren't criticisms because we're going to be talking about those next week. So uh, if you enjoyed this one, hope you can join us again next week for our Disney Star Wars criticisms. Additionally, if you are not yet subscribed to the Hoth Hangout YouTube channel, check us out there for the video version of the podcast, as well as our reactions of Star Wars shows uh, as those are coming out. Hit that like and subscribe button. We would very much appreciate it. Additionally, you can always email us your Star Wars thoughts or questions at hothhangout at gmail.com. Shoot us a question or thought there, and we'd love to feature it and showcase it here on the podcast as well. If you're an audio podcast listener, you can catch the Hoth Hangout podcast anywhere you get your pods, including Spotify and Apple. Leave a five-star review on those platforms on the Hoth Hangout podcast. We would very much appreciate that, and thank you for doing so in advance. We love y'all for doing so. Uh, you can catch us on the socials, Hoth, at Hoth Hangout, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, or X. 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 Check us out on the, uh, the socials. Again, that's at Hoth Hangout on each of those. We want to also thank Gibbo for producing today's show, the video, the assets, and uh, who who is the real best thing that came out of Disney Star Wars? Joey, was that in reference to, to Gibbo? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Gibbo is actually the best thing that's come out of Disney Star Wars. So thank yes. you, Dave Filoni, for Gibbo. Yes, yes, very much. <laughs> uh, Gibbo, you got any thoughts on Disney Star Wars before we <laughs> sign off? Uh, we'll save it for next week. Okay. <laughs> sounds good that was, sounds good uh shout out to george lucas shout out to dave filoni shout out to the disney star wars era and the things that we loved during it uh thank you for listening to episode 57 of the hoth hangout podcast catch us next week for episode 58 covering the criticisms of the disney star wars era uh, and until next week's episode thank you so much for listening to this one we appreciate you so very much and until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>